There's no charity. We don't give out high fives. You have to make the playoffs. I'm sorry. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that's full of producers yet doesn't know how to back time. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, my pal Tom Shively. Tom, the WNBA season wrapped up today, so that means it's time to preview the 2022 WNBA playoffs, and who better to do that with than the There's a Lot Going On WNBA expert, Hannah. Hannah, welcome back to the show. For those who don't know, Hannah is Tom's cousin, but she is, more importantly, our WNBA expert, Hannah. Tom, we don't care how you're doing today. Hannah, we want to know how you're doing. I'm doing well. My computer is a little angry at me, but I'm uh, doing well. Excited to be back. <laughs> My Your computer's computer, angry at me I said every this week. before it's we fine. started recording. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was saying before we started recording, uh, Hannah's computer sounds like a jet engine. So I guess it will be interesting to see how this record goes. Uh, this entire time. And listen, if you hear a little bit of a jet engine in the background, get over it. Tom and I sound great, so that's all that matters. We <laughs> always sound fantastic. I think um, I've had my share fair, fair share of issues with the computer, but you know we're ready to go now. And I'm doing fantastic, Dave. Thanks for asking. I just had Chipotle. It's the reason we came on late, but I'm doing all right. You're the reason we're starting significantly later than we had planned to, but it's okay. I also, you know, we were talking. There was a lot of things that we started talking about, and so it's our fault too. You know, it's it's a little bit on me as well. All right, so let's just get into it. Let No more pussyfooting around. I love that word, by the way. I don't use it very often, but it's a good word. Let's start, you know, with the teams who didn't make the playoffs. RIP to the Indiana Fever, who were just terrible. Worst team in the league by a mile. The Los Angeles Sparks, who couldn't escape controversy the entire year. And then, Hannah, I know you have some things to say about these last two teams, but Atlanta and Minnesota, RIP. Sylvia Fowles retired today, so her last game resulted in L at the hands of the Connecticut Sun. Hannah, I don't know if you would like to uh, memorialize the career of Sylvia Fowles. Yeah, probably the greatest center in the history of the WNBA. Only WNBA player with 4,000 rebounds, which she achieved that milestone today. Also, she's a knitter, and she's going to be a mortician after she retires. So she's super cool. And also just like a super awesome teammate. So I was a little sad the Lynx did not sneak in for that final spot. And the Atlanta Dream, I'll give them like a little like high five because they were kind of bad last year, had a bad offseason. But Ryan Howard, solid, solid start. So I think they'll be good next year. Yeah, Ryan Howard do is that a here. hooper. We don't just like high a straight out. hooper. Go ahead. Sorry, Tom. There's no charity. We don't give out high fives. You have to make the playoffs. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with you. Atlanta was terrible last year, and all it took was adding one player, and they completely turned it around. If not for two losses to end the year to New York, they'd be in the playoffs right now. Shout out to New York, too. They were in shambles at the start of the year. And so the fact that they are in the playoffs right now is is quite the accomplishment, in my opinion. But that's not important. We'll talk about New York when we get to their matchup. There's playoff games to get to. Uh, before we get into the playoff matchups, some housekeeping for those who don't know, because I kind of learned it today uh, once the brackets were released. 
WNBA used to have a format where top seeds got the buys. There was single elimination up until the, I think it was the semifinals. That is no longer how this works. It is four best of three matchups in the first round. Winners on both sides of that bracket will play each other in the semifinals. And then that will be a best of five series. The finals will be a best of five series, so on and so forth. Uh, so let's start with probably the most interesting matchup and the matchup we will spend the most time on. The 4-5 matchup between the Seattle Storm and the Washington Mystics. Uh, I'm kind of going to give a summary of both teams and then we'll kind of get into the matchup. Seattle finished the year 22-14. and 14. Uh, Sue Bird, her last year in the WNBA, uh, retiring at the end of the year. Brianna Stewart still on this team, MVP candidate. We'll see who wins the MVP, but she is, you know, one of the two leading candidates for the award. On the other end, same exact record, 22 and 14 for the Washington Mystics. Elena Deladon's first full year back, although she kind of missed. They kept her on a very specific schedule where she missed certain games on purpose. She didn't really play a lot of back-to-backs. But as far as I can tell, she will be playing all of the playoff games, barring some sort of additional injury. Uh, they also had rookie Shakira Austin, Ariel Atkins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Two very exciting teams, very evenly matched teams. Uh, I guess we'll start with... I, I don't even know where to start. Hannah, I'll, I'll let you just go with the matchup. Where do you want to start? I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I think this one's like the biggest toss up of the first round for me because it's like both teams have kind of had struggles at different points in time. Washington looks like a very different team when Elena Deladon is playing. Um, Tom and I saw the Mystics play against Phoenix back in June and they did not look great, but Elena Deladon wasn't playing. Um, she's kind of like the key to their offense that really gets them going. Um, and Alicia Clark who used to play in Seattle, obviously, hasn't necessarily been the shooter I feel like that she has been previously. So if she could get going, I think that's a key piece for Washington uh, in this matchup for them. But yeah, Stewie has been playing phenomenal. I watched the Storm play today, like in their last game. Jewel Lloyd had like 38 points or something. So when kind of the pieces around Stewie are firing, Seattle's like kind of hard to beat. So I, I'm not really sure. I still haven't made up my mind yet on who I'm taking in this one. It's interesting, right? Because I, like like Hannah mentioned, we saw Washington play a couple months ago, and I didn't think they looked bad. I, I, I guess I was kind of looking at it as, oh, they don't have Deladon, and they still you know, were competitive. They were trailing, and they got it to overtime. But Hannah kind of mentioned it. it it's all Deladon, I feel like, for Washington. And, and the defense is really good. I believe they have the best defensive efficiency rating. Uh, this year, but it's Seattle can score so easily with people like Stewie and uh, I, I. I'm I know we're not into picks yet, but I think they're gonna have a lot of trouble defensively with with Seattle. Well, I I think right when you look at Seattle, what intrigues me more than anything, especially when you're talking about Washington, is kind of the veteran presence you have on Seattle. You have Tina Charles, again, been in the league for years that they added late in the year, still playing at a very high level. Obviously, you have Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird, who have a ton of championship pedigree, both in college and in the WNBA. And really, when you look over to Washington, yeah, you have some holdovers from that team that won the championship a few years ago, but you're also still like you're without a lot of pieces that won that championship. And a lot of your key contributors have never been in big moments like this before. Walker Kimbrough has really never played in a moment like this. Hines Allen never played in a moment like this. And these are people you rely on 
to give you big minutes and important minutes come playoff time. In terms of what you guys are saying, though, like I, I think what's interesting too is like when Deladon played. I think you could make the argument this is one of this was maybe the best team outside of the top two in all of the WNBA this year because when she was playing, you were able to get that mix of the incredible defense plus you finally were getting an offense that could go toe-to-toe with that defense. If she goes down at all this series, this is a no contest because this offense is just not good enough without her. I saw her. I saw them play against Connecticut you know, way back early in the season and she didn't play. They lost by two, but you could tell late in that game, they just didn't know who to go to to get offense from. And so if Deladon isn't herself, isn't fully healthy, then this is this series is a wash. It's going to be Seattle quickly. I just looked it up. Uh, I was curious. I couldn't find the stats from this year, but since 2017, I have with Deladon, the Mystics, it looks like are 66 and 29 when she plays and 28 and 43 when she doesn't. And that includes the, yeah, it's not a huge take. It's, you know, she's the best player. Obviously she's your offensive go-to. It's tough to lose someone like that, but she'll be huge. I'm glad you mentioned Tina Charles too, though, because when she kind of dramatically left Phoenix mid season and headed to Seattle, um, I don't think she really like fit in, well into Seattle initially, but if you've watched them in the past few weeks, she's really started to come into her own and like fits really well in that system now. And I think that adds a really key element for Seattle who wasn't necessarily struggling up until they added her, but like was not like, oh, by by far and away the best team in the league or anything like that. So she's been a, a key late addition that's now kind of hitting their stride. Well, this this too feels like such a unique position for Seattle to be in, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm so used to if Seattle's in the playoffs, they're likely a favorites to win the WNBA championship. And although they're one of, you know, probably five teams that could win the championship, that feels like there's a pretty big gap between, you know, Washington and Seattle, who I think are pretty comparable and pretty close in quality. And then the other teams ahead of them, namely Vegas and Chicago. It just feels like, even if Seattle gets everything to click and figures everything out, I just don't think they have enough this year, specifically depth. Like they don't have a lot outside of those top players to me. Whereas even against like Washington, Washington can go deeper on their bench than Seattle can. So if this comes down to like a bench thing, Seattle's not winning this series. But if this just comes down to your top end players, who can give you more when the chips are down, everything's on the line you probably lean and trust Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird and Tina Charles a little bit more than the combination of players you're going to need to get things from from Washington, which also doesn't even mention the fact that Washington's best player is a best defensive player is a rookie in Shakira Austin. And rookies in both the WNBA and the NBA tend to struggle in their first postseasons for whatever reason. And it's just, you know, it's a hard adjustment. And we'll see if Shakira Austin can make the adjustment. But if she can't, this is going to be a very difficult series for Washington to match up with them defensively, even if they are that good on defense. No one, I, no one, not so I just can't get Golden. I just can't get Golden State out of my mind when I think of Seattle. Like, they didn't have a great 
regular season and it's like, oh, Steph Curry is on the team. Oh, Draymond Green is on the team. Oh, Klay Thompson. Like, of course, they have all this talent. Like, of course, they're going to do well in the playoffs. I didn't set that up well. I saw you guys look at me. I, I was like, didn't mention the Warriors at all. I just said Golden State, but that's the point. My beginning kind of ruined it, but I, I do get like a veteran presence type vibe out of them. Well, let, let's just get into picks then, because I think we've kind of said all we could say about the matchup. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I I find it hard to pick against Sue Bird in her last playoffs, and so I'm not going to. Uh, I obviously want Washington to win the series because I'm a fan of the team, but I think as a collective group, I trust the veteran leadership on Seattle a little bit more than I trust Washington. I still think Washington's a little too Deladon dependent. And the reason they won that championship a few years ago was because Emma Miesemann was there to take off a lot of that load away from Deladon so that you know, they could run a little bit more efficiently on offense. You don't really have that go-to number two. Atkins is more of a spot-up shooter. Na- uh, Natasha Cloud is, um, you know, she- she's very streaky. She Some games she's playing great. The next game she's kind of, you know, disappeared. You're going to get great defense from her all the time, but offensively, who knows? I just know what I'm getting from Seattle. They're more the steady, you know, if they were a heart rate monitor, they're the steady beep Whereas Washington's kind of like the, you got to resuscitate them every now and then. So I'm going to go with Seattle. I think it goes three. I think this is a the closest matchup of any of them in the first round. But I'm going to lean toward Seattle winning this series in three. An interesting medical analogy. Thank you. As the medical student. Guess what is the, the uh, what's what's the healthy resting BPM? Where do you want to be at? It's like 60, is that? It's like a range, like but like 60s is good. Yeah. Okay. Like sinus rhythm, yeah. I'll tell you what my resting heart rate is while you guys give predictions. Um, so I think I I think I'm also gonna go with Seattle in this one. Also, to note, I kind of mentioned this off air before we started, but the way that they're doing the best of three to reduce travel is the first two games are going to the higher seed. So that means the first two games of the series are going to be at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, and I think that plus the kind of Sue Bird farewell tour. Plus, kind of some of the other things we've mentioned give the edge to Seattle. I'm really interested to see how that shakes out. I think the lower seed getting a game three potential, you know, the winner go home game at their place was interesting to me. I don't know if I like it. I'll think about it. I'll watch it. But TBD, uh, as turn for picks, I don't like agreeing with everyone, but I don't like being wrong more. And I think it's Seattle easy. Uh, You guys mentioned it. They have the veteran leadership. I think Washington is going to struggle to score, especially without Deladon. Not without her, but if she can't get it going 24-7, they're going to have a lot of problems. And I don't even know if I'll give them a game. I think Seattle wins both of them up there, and we don't get a game three. Man, a little little sweep action from Tom Shively. I like it. Going going against the grain a little bit. I I respect where you're going there. You kind of have to if you're the higher seed. No, like you don't want to have to go on the road for a game three yeah you i think that's just kind of like yeah i mean like that's a given like you just you want you want to finish this as quickly as possible no matter what but especially in this format you don't want this to go to the other team's home court but i think even if it does i think seattle should be able to take care of business but like you said who knows at that point uh, let's move on then to the 3-6 matchup, the Connecticut Sun against the Dallas Wings. I don't know why, for some reason, I was staring at their logo, and I was like, what 
are they again? It's the and then it came to me just out of nowhere. The wings. Uh, see, Connecticut twenty five and eleven on the year, a game back of the number one seed. So once again, Connecticut there at the top, competing with everyone else for the one seed. Uh, Dallas finished the year eighteen and eighteen, so five hundred. Congratulations to them. Um, I don't know about you guys. This feels like the first of several major mismatches in the first round because I think Connecticut is far and away a better team than Dallas is. Tom, you can go first. <laughs> I, Dallas, I think, kind of snuck into the playoffs. They won seven of the last ten, they were, so they were under 500 for most of the year. It, it's, I don't really see a way through for them. Yeah, I think Connecticut's got got the veteran experience. That there's a little hunger to them. I feel like as good as they've been the past few years, and they haven't been able to get it done. I think that's definitely a factor. But I don't know, David. You saw Connecticut in person. What you know? What did you see out of them? Well, when I saw Connecticut, right and. I think the numbers would back this up. They're despite having one of the best players in the league in John Quell Jones, they aren't super John Quell Jones dependent, right? Where they do a very good job of letting everyone kind of have their moment in the spotlight. And you know, you take away John Quell, that's fine. We'll go to Thomas. You take away Thomas, we'll go to uh, the second Jones off the bench, whose first name is escaping me, Brianna Jones. I knew it would come. I knew it would come to me eventually. Uh, that's why you have the tab open to the left. But uh, you know, Dewana Bonner is another a good outside shooter for them. And I had said in years past, to me, what plagued them in potentially making it to the WNBA Finals was a lack of perimeter scoring. And this team this year, I think, has a lot more of that perimeter scoring with Bonner, with bringing Courtney Williams back. Uh, Heidemann has really stepped into her own and been a really valuable piece off the bench. And I just think they're a lot more balanced than they've been in years past, where if you take Jonquil Jones away this year, I don't think that necessarily beats Connecticut. I think they have a lot more firepower to go toe-to-toe with some of the better teams. Yeah, I agree. I really like Connecticut heading into the postseason. I think they often say, like, the disrespect, obviously, like, CT, Connecticut. Um, that's, like, their tagline because they, they're they perennially very good but don't get, like, the same attention that I think some of the other teams do. But I think they have one of the best front courts in the league right now, like, with John Quell and Alyssa Thomas, who's finally healthy-ish for her, obviously. And then Bree Jones comes in off the bench, probably unanimously, like, sixth woman of the year. Um, and it, like you said, the the guards, if they're playing well, Connecticut defensively does a great job of creating turnovers, running the floor. Dijanae Carrington in her second year is pretty solid. Um so I like what they have. I will give Dallas an interesting twist in that they've done really well the last several games of the season without Arike Agumboale, which I think surprised a lot of people. Um, they put up mad numbers today in their game against LA. Not, like LA is kind of trash at this point in the season, but um, I, I think Dallas is interesting, but I don't think they have what it takes to compete with the depth that I think, and the experience that Connecticut has, but Dallas is like one step away, I think, of making that next step. So we'll see. Tom, before you go real quick, my big hang up with Dallas is defensively. I think offensively, they're fantastic. They can hang with you offensively, but they're going to give up 80. Like they're just not the kind of team that you can rely on and depend on to make stops on the other end where 
complete opposite is Connecticut. Connecticut had the best net rating in all of the WNBA last year, 9.5. They were second in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. So like they bring it on both ends of the floor every single night. And the other thing I noticed when I watched them, they play a very physical style of basketball that I don't think a lot of other teams in the W can really match up with, if I'm being honest. Like, they want to bang in the post and they want like they're ready for a fight and they're okay if things get a little scrappy get a little chippy where i think that might affect some teams mentally and they might get a little mentally fragile that's not this team this team wants it to be messy wants it to be a little dirty at times and that is a-okay by them they will fight for those rebounds they're gonna fight for loose balls and i really like that about the way they play it's a very it's a very 90s brand of basketball for being honest. And I don't really I don't really think that's an area that Dallas can be effective at. I think they're much more open and they're going to struggle. You mentioned inside with Connecticut. That, that's where I'm worried. I I think streaky when I think of Dallas's offense. Hannah, you mentioned the game today. One of those quarters I, I think it was 41 to 9. They outscored LA. So yeah, yeah, you guys mentioned scoring is not going to be the problem, but as methodical as Connecticut can be, I think having a presence like Jones to to anchor that defense really is is all they're going to need. Uh, before I get your picks, uh, I just want to for the audience because we're saying all this and uh, Dallas actually won the season matchup between these two teams. Dallas two and one against Connecticut on the year, including an. 85 to 77 win and an 82 to 71 win uh the one loss they had they got blown out 99 to 68 so it wasn't even close but yeah i mean I, I think despite that i would still lean and take connecticut i actually think it would be in a two-game series i think again i think this is a defense that when when things get tough they get going and they, I think, will clamp up on Dallas. I think they're here. Like you kind of mentioned, they have that chip on their shoulder. And they really want to prove to people that this is a team that can win a WNBA championship. They've been so close so many times over the last few years. They've been to the semifinals, I think, every year since 2019. And it just feels like they keep knocking on that door, knocking on that door. And what's going to be the year they finally break the door down? It might be this year. I think they at least get out of the first round. So I think it's a clean sweep for Connecticut against Dallas. I'm also going Connecticut. I don't know how much that I got. I got brooms as well to go. All right, get the brooms out for Connecticut, or if uh, we jinxed it, get the brooms out for the Dallas Wings in Connecticut. Let's go over to the other matchups. I actually want to do these very quickly because I think the semifinal matchups would be exponentially more interesting because it seems like so far we are all chalk, and I think it's going to stay that way. Uh, Vegas and Phoenix, I don't have much to say about... I mean, let's, let's talk about the Mercury first because I think we're all in agreement Phoenix is going to win this series. That kind of goes without saying. The Mercury Vegas have gotten all of their Vegas. injuries at the... app. Yeah, that's, that is what I meant. Uh, the Mercury have got all their injuries at the absolute worst time. Tarasi, done for the year. Diggin Smith, done for the year. Brittany Griner, their best player, in a Russian prison. Like, it, it, there is just nothing that has gone right for Phoenix this year, and I just don't see that changing. I, I see nothing about this matchup with Vegas that suggests to me Phoenix has even the slightest chance of winning. First, free Brittany. Second, 
I actually don't know if Skylar Diggins-Smith is playing. She was out these games for personal reasons, so it wasn't like the quad strain like Diana Tarazi's been dealing with. But basically, Phoenix is a giant question mark, as they have been all season. I have no idea what Phoenix team is going to show up ever. So while Vegas is also missing Dierica Hamby for two to four weeks, which I think comes into play more in like the semifinal round than this first round matchup, I think especially the way I saw Vegas play today, like they're firing in all cylinders offensively. And I don't think Phoenix has offensive depth to compete with Vegas right now. Yeah. They dropped 109 against Seattle. And obviously that's a very good defense, but without Griner. Yeah. I mean, they've gotten by all year. They've kind of stayed afloat, uh, but the, the injuries are devastating. You're going up against the number one team in the league. Uh, who I think is kind of hungry along with Connecticut because Vegas, you know, obviously Hannah and I both picked them to win the title last year and, you know, kind of feel like they've been the best team in the league for a few years now and, and you know, haven't been able to kind of seal the envelope yet. And I think they're going to mean they're going to have something to prove, especially with, with how the playoffs ended last year as well. Well, I, I guess let's talk about Vegas a little bit then before we go on to any other matchups. Uh, Vegas, the first team in WNBA history with two 700-point scorers in a season, Kelsey Plume and Asia Wilson, were those two. I also been intrigued by the step Jackie Young took this year. You know, number one overall pick a couple years ago, but she's been excellent this season and has really taken that next step forward and has been that third piece in a big three. You know, I feel like oftentimes... The stars, you know, Plum and Wilson are the ones who were talked about, but really the reason they took that step forward this year was because Jackie Young stepped into her own, and you have a really formidable backcourt with Jackie Young, Chelsea Gray, and Kelsey Plume, and it's, I mean, I think it's the best backcourt in the WNBA, and I don't think it's very close. Go ahead, Hannah. I love I love Kelsey Plum and her teeny-tiny commissioner's cup mvp trophy um which everyone should watch the video and how sorry guys getting emails um so uh yeah i think while plum and asia have both put together mvp calendar like caliber seasons i think asia is more of the mvp of the team but again i think the like Kelsey and Jackie have been shooting lights out. And a lot of it is like the way Becky Hammond has really revolutionized their off. Like their offense looks so much better this season than it ever did under Bill Lambier. Well, I, you know what, real quick Tom, before you go, I always found it funny that Bill Lambier was a coach of any team because all I knew Bill Lambier as was the guy who punched people in the 80s and 90s NBA. And so the fact that anyone ever trusted him to build a fluid offense is hilarious to me because that is like his epitome as a player was I disrupt fluid offenses. And it, that was his epitome as a coach too. Incapable of forming fluid offenses. Bill, Bill Lambier is the guy that everyone on Twitter made fun of when they were talking about the the, the LeBron Michael Jordan debate about like oh he was going up against the guys like Bill Lambier doesn't really count and it's just yeah I never felt like he fit with Vegas and honestly I selfishly kind of thought losing Liz Cambage would mean a lot more than it did this year but uh, this is the best year they've had so far and they they've been I think pretty comfortably the best team in the league and it's the way they can get scoring. Kelsey Plum's been unreal. Um, and, and kind of having that person that, that can be equal to Asia Wilson on the offensive side is is really beneficial for them. 
Well, it's in- it's interesting you say, because I kind of had the same thought, right, that Liz Cambage would be a bigger loss for them, but really it ended up being a huge benefit because it allowed them to to change the offense in the ways that Becky Hammond wanted to change it, where it's a lot more Asia's going to bang around on the inside and we're going to surround her with people who can knock down shots, people who can blow by the defense if they leave too much space. And this is just a, they play a lot faster than they did last year. Like you mentioned, Hannah, they're a lot more fluid than they were a year ago. And it's just right now it's an offense going into the playoffs that's really clicking on all cylinders. I will say, because we're saying a lot of nice things, this defense scares the hell out of me because I don't think they're very good defensively. I think they're reliable at any given moment to let another team go for 100, and that is not great. And of the teams who are real title contenders, they have the worst defense by far of the title contenders. And that is concerning when we get into the later stages of the playoffs, whether they make the WNBA finals or not. I think it's not really a question whether or not they get by Phoenix in the first round. I think we're all in agreement. They're going to sweep Phoenix in the first round, but defensively, I, I, maybe, you know, better than me, Hannah, but like, I don't look at anyone on this team and go there, there they are. That's their defensive stopper. That is, that is the one that's, that's Asia's their best defensive player, but that's it. (laughs) Yeah, and I because even even Plum, right? Like she's very good, but is it is it Plum or Plume? I feel like I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly. It's Plum. I would say Plum. Okay, I'm gonna keep going with Plum then. Uh, even her, right? She she's excellent offensively, and the reason they had to start her was because of how good she is offensively. Gives you nothing defensively, like not a lick. And depending on who you match up with, that's going to be a major, major problem in the next few rounds. But I figured, I don't know if any you guys have anything else to say about either team before we move on to the final first round matchup. Uh, I'm getting head shakes, so we're just going to keep moving. The 2-7 matchup, the Chicago Sky, your defending WNBA champions, finished year 26-10, and 10, uh, come into the playoffs on, uh, fun, a one-game win streak. Woohoo! Uh, they take on... The New York Liberty, who barely got into the playoffs, it took two wins at the end of the year over the Atlanta Dream to get in. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu finally will be in the playoffs. They finished the year 16-20. and 20. Uh, The WNBA puts way too many teams into the playoffs, and this is just another example of that. This is another one where I think this is like, to me, there's no, this is not even close. Like, Chicago should dominate this series. I think even more, maybe, than Vegas is going to dominate Phoenix because I think Chicago, like when they are clicking, no one can compete with them in the league. They are clearly the best team when everything is going well. And adding Emma Miesemann to an already fantastic team has just elevated them even more. Like this team has so many people who can go off at any point. They have so many people who are good defensively. And if you had to ask me, I think going into the playoffs, this should be the favorites to win the title again. They should be far and away the favorites to win the title. I always look at Tom and I never know which was. It's really awkward. Um, I, yeah. I actually think this. Um, we'll we'll fight for it. Rock paper scissors. I I actually think this one could be interesting. Like I'm gonna. I mean, I feel like we're I'm going all chalk here, so I'll be like, okay, like this one's gonna go three games. I think New York takes one of these games with like a Sabrina triple double. And that's like New York has is so up and down 
But, like, when they've been really good, like, they have pulled off some pretty huge wins over some of these teams. So, especially if, like, Johannes is shooting well like she did today and, like, she has done, um, that's a pretty potent backcourt. And then, like, Howard and Dolson, like, down low. So, I'm going to I'm gonna take this one in three, but still Chicago. I think if you're Chicago, you're really thankful that you got the bye and that – or that you would have got the bye, basically, that the – isn't a one-game playoff this year, and they would have been safe in years past, but I think Hannah mentioned a team like New York really can go and, and put up a big number any day. And, you know, I think this this new system kind of benefits the better teams, and you're able to kind of play more consistently, and I'm, I'm excited for that. New York, yeah, it's too up and down for me. Maybe they'll get one. You're right, I'm with Hannah. They're going to get one. We'll call it three, but Chicago, yeah, they look real comfortable. Yeah, I think like if this was la- like last year's format with like a one game playoff, like I think New York could have done what Chicago did to everyone else. Like I think New York could have come in here one game, pulled off the upset, and then everyone would have been like, "What the heck?" But this this format favors Chicago. Uh, for the record, Chicago did lose to New York this year, eighty three to eighty on July twenty third. Uh, other than that, the Chicago won both other matchups, but all of them were close. 88 to 86 final June 12th and a 89 to 81 final on July 29th. So as you guys are kind of mentioning, this is a team capable of keeping it close. I just think when I look at the championship pedigree of Chicago, a team that was just there, just won the championship, they all they did in this offseason was get better. I, I just... I think Chicago has the coaching matchup advantage. I think they have the personnel matchup advantage. And even if Sabrina Ionescu, like Sabrina Ionescu would need to do some, like some Luka Doncic type things when we're talking like triple doubles. Like she would need to be absolutely incredible. Just be out of her mind for this three game series for them to even have a chance of winning. I I don't even think it's close. I, I think, I think Chicago sweeps this series. I think they might, win both games by double digits and i think chicago absolutely dominates I, I i they strike despite just winning they seem like a team really hungry for another one which is weird because i feel like you don't see that often from the teams who just won they get you know kind of lackadaisical and comfortable with with what they've already accomplished but not chicago is out here looking to eat hearts and i respect the hell out of it All right, so let's move on then, everyone. Since we have given all of our picks to the first round, we have gone chalk, one, two, three, and four seeds all advance, which would mean one of our matchups that we would get is the Las Vegas Aces versus the Seattle Storm, the 1-4 matchup. Hannah, I'll, I'll go to you first. Uh, break it down. What? Let, let, let's, let me lay some questions out there for you guys. That way we can be a little more structured moving forward. Who... Who or what is the biggest X factor in a potential matchup between the Aces and the Storm? See, this is where I think Vegas runs into an issue if they don't have Dierica Hamby. So this is now a five-game series. She does provide a defensive edge for Vegas in addition to kind of helping with their like flow and how they spread the floor. Um She's out two to four weeks, but they've said they don't know whether or not she comes back. So I think my X factor here is Dierica Hamby. I just saw, like, they just played today. It was a, a shootout, like, 100 scoring. Um, 
with like the same people you know, you know, the Jewel Lloyds, the Chelsea Grays, Asia, like they all played phenomenal. So I think if Dierica Hamby is healthy, that's what changes this matchup for me. I think it's all creativity on Seattle's end. Um, we, we know what they have with, we know what Vegas has with the offense and, and they're going to score their points. And, you know, as good as Seattle's defense is, I think it falls on how creative can Stewie be? And obviously she's elite. Obviously they have the perimeter shooting, but can it kind of click consistently enough that you can avoid a couple dry spells like they've been prone to a little bit. Yeah, they got 100 today, so obviously it was a day the offense was clicking, but oh yeah, still not enough. So it really has to, I think, be special. And, and maybe the best three games that Seattle plays offensively the entire season to win this one. I, I just think Vegas is scoring too much, and it, it's it's going to be up and down. To me, this is the most interesting matchup that we could potentially have. This is the playoff series I'm most looking forward to if it happens, and I'm 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 excited. So uh, I think you guys hit on kind of the points I was going to make, but in, in terms of X factors for the series, I don't disagree with anything you guys said, but I think it's really going to come down to the coaching of Becky Hammond because I think, I think kind of like you guys have mentioned, the offense is clicking right now and the offense is firing. They're fantastic. But what if the offense starts to go cold? What if you have a game where, you know, suddenly the, the shots just aren't falling, your best players aren't playing well? What adjustments is Becky Hammond going to make in her first playoff, se- playoff run that can potentially change the series? Because I know what Seattle can do. They have, you know, they've been here, they've done that, they've experienced it. And they're a team playing with literally everything to lose because you're losing one of your best players at the end of the year. So they're going to be playing as, I mean, as it literally is that Sue Bird like will not get another opportunity to win a WNBA championship. So what can we do to give her the best opportunity to win this championship? I think honestly, in that matchup, all of the pressure is on Las Vegas. I don't think really any of the pressure is on Seattle because like we mentioned, been there, done that. These, they've all been there before. Vegas, we keep hearing about this is the year of Vegas. They're going to do it. This is the year of it. And then every year they fall flat on their face for one reason or the other. I think in year, years past, it's because their offense just got stale and stagnant. I'm not worried about the offense getting stale and stagnant, but can the defense give you anything to potentially win this kind of matchup? It, it remains to be seen. And like you mentioned, if Hamby's not playing... I'm going to be honest, I think I might pick Seattle. I, I just don't think, I don't think Vegas, uh, offense can only take you so far. You see it in both leagues, the WNBA and the NBA. No matter how great your offense is, if you don't have a defense to back it up, you can't win a championship. I don't think Vegas has the defense to back it up, so I'll just make my prediction now. I think Seattle wins this series and they go to the WNBA finals, despite me thinking Vegas is actually the better team. Yeah. I'm going to pick Vegas, but, but I'm not confident in that choice. <laughs> I I think David brought up a lot of good reservations with Vegas. Um, Seattle, I, I, with as many championships as they won to still be this hungry, it is fascinating to me. Um, and yeah, no pressure. I, I think the veteran team that they have, we talked about it you know, in their last series um, and, and kind of the sense of pride that they have, but to me, the offense matters just a little bit more, and I'm, and I'm worried about the dry spells. I'm worried about the, the inconsistency that we could see from Seattle, so I'm going to go with Vegas in, 
it probably goes the distance. I'll go Vegas in five. Uh, Seattle's defense was the third best in the league this year, according to net, net rating, only about a point off of the leaders in Washington and Connecticut. Uh, Vegas, on the other hand, their defensive rating was 102, tied with the New York Liberty, who I don't think any of us would say is very good defensively, and actually worse than the Atlanta Dream defensively. So uh, I'm very concerned about this Vegas defense, and I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Seattle. I think this goes five no matter what, but I think that Seattle ends up pulling this out because in game fives, everyone gets a little bit tighter. Defense matters a little bit more. And that's why I lean Seattle in the series. But you guys got Vegas. I got Seattle in the other matchup, 2-3 matchup, the Chicago Sky, the Connecticut Sun. Let's go through it again. Hannah, we'll start with you once again. X-Factor in a potential Chicago-Connecticut playoff series. I think the X-Factor is going to be... Oh, this is tough. I think it's going to be Bree Jones for Connecticut, but also the Connecticut guard play because Bree Jones comes off the bench and is phenomenal and has shown that all season. Um, but I think that in combination with consistency out of like Heidemann, Courtney Williams, um, like Dijanae Carrington, some of those folks, um, I think that's what will do it in order for Connecticut to like get over that hump and get into the finals. This is a, a rematch of last year's semifinal as well, when Chicago was kind of able to upset Connecticut um, and head to the finals themselves. So I think it'll be interesting. We'll see. That loss surprised me more than Vegas losing last year. Connecticut, you know, I thought Vegas was better, but I think the way they kind of handled all season and I, I don't know, I feel like the three-point shot for Chicago is going to be really key, and if they can knock those down, they'll be fine. But there's something about Connecticut defensively that has really impressed me and I think translates really well to the playoffs. So I like where they're at, um, but I think if Chicago's kind of able to put some pressure on them with, with the deep ball, then they'll, they'll be in a little bit of trouble. I kind of like where Hannah was going in terms of... of I, I need to... I need to get some sort of thing guard play wise out of Connecticut because again, when it comes to Chicago, I feel like I know what I'm getting. I know Kalia Copper is going to play well. I know uh, Courtney Vandersloot's going to play well. I know Ali Quigley's going to play well. I don't know on any given night what I'm getting from Courtney Williams, Natisha Heideman, excuse me, Dijanae Carrington, Jasmine Thomas. Like, I don't know what I'm getting from that collective group of players night in, night out. Mind you, I think the front court is really strong, but the problem is Chicago also has a really strong front court. And so it doesn't feel like such a huge matchup advantage for Connecticut like it would be against maybe some other teams. I actually think against Vegas, this matchup advantage would be huge for them, and I think they could potentially exploit it. But against Chicago... It's hard for me to find the matchup specifically in the front court and say they're clearly better there. There might be nights they're better there, but I don't think they're going to be consistently better in the front court than Chicago. And at the guards, I, I know straight up Chicago is better guard play than Connecticut does. They're more consistent. They're more proven. And so it really comes down to if Connecticut gets anything from their guards this series, they have a shot to win the series. But if they are as streaky this series as they've been in past playoff runs and even at points during this regular season, I don't think they really stand a chance. Uh, I'm actually going to give my pick now and then we can, you know, you guys can give yours. 
I think Chicago wins this series. I think you guys might say it goes five. I actually think this goes four. It maybe is a sweep. I think Chicago is that good this postseason. They are just, I think this is just a matchup nightmare for Connecticut. And, you know, you look at the team and you go, well, who are you going to pick to slow down? You're going to slow down Kalia Copper, Candace Parker, Emma Meat. Like, you have so many offensive options. And they're really good defensively. And so I'm going Chicago. I think they win this one in four. And, you know, sorry to say, I, I want Connecticut to do well, but I just, I don't see it from these guards. I don't think they can win it when you have this many defensive first guards. Tom, you go. I think the front court is going to be enough for them. I, I love what John Quill Jones has done this year. And Chicago, I think, is going to struggle to score at times. And I... I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but to me, to me, the defense for Connecticut is that much better that I'm willing to go with them. I think it probably also goes five, but give me the sun. Uh, you know, all chalk so far. They're hungry. They'll beat the defending champs. Hasn't been a defending champ, I believe, since the Houston Comets won the first four, uh, and they're no longer in the league. So it is hard you to do in the thunder. <laughs> It was actually the Sparks, but they were like right after the Comets. The Sparks oh, had was like it? two in a row I or something. Oh, was it? I misread their column, Leslie I guess, was there. Whoops. My apologies to yeah. the Los Angeles Sparks. But, I, like, that's all right. Um, Tom stole my thunder. That was kind of what I was going to say. I think Chicago has really great depth, but I think there's just something about Connecticut. They're just so, I, I just want to go with Connecticut, but he stole my thunder. This is what a name to watch. I'll give a name to watch for Chicago off the bench. Rebecca Gardner. Um, cool story. She's a rookie, but she's like 31. She's got, I think she graduated in 2012. So she's got like a kind of veteran overseas ex experience, kind of a testament to how tough it is to actually play in the WNBA um, and make a roster. But she's put in some really good minutes for them this season. So shout out Rebecca Gardner. All right, well, we have gone with completely different WNBA Finals matchups, so I actually would like the group to analyze both matchups. We will start with your guys' matchup because I am a little more curious in your guys' matchup. You guys have the Las Vegas Aces matching up with the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA Finals. Um, I guess we'll just keep going with what we're doing. Let's, let's get an X Factor for the series. I think the X Factor here is Asia Wilson. Um, I think, can she do enough to fight off the, the better depth that Connecticut has in the front court? And I'm not sure that she can alone. Um, whereas you see like Vegas's guards versus Connecticut, but kind of like this will then kind of test the MVP-ness of Asia Wilson, I would say. I, I keep hearkening back to to defense for Connecticut and the way they're able to limit. If I had to go X factor, I would say whoever's guarding Kelsey Plum. Cause I think this kind of hits what Hannah got into of Asia Wilson's going to get hers to a certain extent. And I think if you're kind of able to, to make it the Asia Wilson only show, then you're going to find success if you're Connecticut. And I think when at Las Vegas has lost in the playoffs historically, it's been, Asia Wilson gets hers, and, and the team does not necessarily live up to that. And I think now that as much defensive talent as Connecticut has, it, it, it's going to be a favorable matchup for them if they're able to 
limit her. Uh, just for the record, uh, Vegas did take the season series, won two of three matchups. Um, I don't. I, I think for me, right, I, I think it really comes down to, this is going to sound very obvious, but can Connecticut slow down the Vegas offense? Because I've already, again, I've already picked against them because I think it is possible to slow them down. But if they're in the WNBA finals, you have to imagine this offense is clicking on all cylinders and nobody has had an answer for what was one of the best offenses we've ever seen in the WNBA. And so I think, you know, when I look at it, even if Connecticut could take away Asia Wilson, because again, you could have a rotating cast of people guarding Asia Wilson. I think that the Vegas guards would take advantage of the guards from Connecticut. And it would really come down to, to can, can Connecticut match them on the other end? The issue I think is Vegas is really good shooting the basketball. Connecticut is not. It would be one team's getting threes where the other team's getting twos. And I just think that's a major problem and disadvantage for Connecticut in this potential series. So if this is the matchup, I think Vegas finally gets their first championship. I think they've raised the banner. Asia Wilson. Actually, I'll be bold and say someone other than Asia Wilson or Plum is the WNBA Finals MVP. I think it's somebody else who wins the award. Interesting. Like Chelsea Gray, maybe. Maybe. Like maybe. I'm, I was feeling a little... Or maybe uh, Dierica Hamby comes back, ends up being a major asset. I hope that it's gonna this be somebody MVP else. trophy is yeah. bigger than the other one. <laughs> it's going to be somebody else, and it's going to be I, John Quell Jones, because she plays for a different team. Because the Connecticut, I think, is going to exploit every deficiency that Seattle has... Defen- not Seattle. Every deficiency that Vegas has defensively, and... I think kind of David's point of like assuming these teams get to the finals, what they would have had to done well in previous rounds to get through. If they can find a way to limit Chicago's offense, I think they're going to be able to have some similar success against Vegas. And I, I, as much as it pains me to say, you know, I'm a Las Vegas Aces fan. I love Asia Wilson. Um, Liz Cambage has been dead to me for a while, so I'm glad she's not there anymore. But even without her, I don't think this is the year. I, th- I think, I think you have to be elite at defense to win a title in a sport like basketball. And they're just not there. Tom and I did not discuss any of this beforehand. Like this man was running late eating his Chipotle. And somehow we have like the same thoughts. This we is the exactly same picks last I year. So this is not good. We had the same last year. It's like a secret family connection, I guess. I also picked Connecticut to win it all this year for this reason. I like, there's just something about it. Like, I think it's their time. So I think Tom said everything that I was going to say. Well, it was difficult for me to pick this matchup because I don't think either of these teams are getting there where my (laughs) WNBA finals matchup, the Seattle storm versus the Chicago sky. uh, I'm trying to pull up now what the season series was against these two teams, but I mean, two teams full of quality veteran leadership, Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, you know, Candace Parker, just to name, you know, the biggest of the names. But we go back just a year ago to the WNBA finals and last year's WNBA finals made a star out of Kalia Copper. So it 
it's hard really for me to pinpoint who or what the X factor is in this series, but I will try anyway. It feels like the last time she played in the WNBA Finals, she was the most important player on the court, and she feels like a player who just shows up in big moments, and that's Emma Miesemann. Emma Miesemann, when the lights get brightest, she just is hooping. She's great defensively, she's great offensively, and she's just that steady presence you know, you need 18, I got you. I can get you 18. You need a couple steals, a couple blocks, I'm there. I got you. And she's such an odd person to watch play because her game, I don't think, is very, like, aesthetically. She reminds me a lot of Nikola Jokic. I don't know if that is going to make sense to a lot of people. But, like, I when I watch them play, they, they shoot off the same receptors in my brain. And so I, I think Emma Misamin is the clear X factor in this series because we we know who the one two are for Chicago. And so if Emma Miesemann can start getting hers, it's gonna open up the court a lot more for everybody else. And at that point, Chicago, I mean, I don't know how you defend Chicago at that point if Emma Miesemann's hitting her shots. Like good luck. I pray for you. I think the X factor is a lot of the role players for Seattle. Uh you know, not that I'm calling Sue Bird a role player. I guess three point maybe she is more though. so with uh some of the people like Bird is hitting 39 a game, 39%, I should say. Talbot is up there, too, for Seattle. I think they have some really good shooters, and that's kind of how you neutralize Chicago, and, and as good as Stewie is, I think if she gets that kind of help, if Sue Bird and Talbot can you know, get 10 apiece in a game, I think they really have to be comfortable with where they are, and it could definitely happen. So I, I'd lean Chicago, but my answer might yeah. change in two minutes, so come back to me. Yeah, I think in this matchup, I think Jewel Lloyd is growing into like such a critical role for the Seattle team. And I think when she is firing on all cylinders, like she makes them a much better team. She gets she gets hot shooting and she can't miss. It's it's pretty unreal to watch. But I also think Ezie Magbagor is a, another role player coming off the bench now, now that Tina Charles kind of starts in that lineup. Um, Ezie got a lot of good minutes in before Tina Charles. So I think she she adds some like depth to that rotation and it I have really enjoyed watching her this season. So I think if this is the matchup for me, like I said, no one repeats since like the early 2000s, even when like the Lynx had their like dynasty of like the mid you know 20 teens or whatever. So I think I think Seattle wins this cuz they've got the extra like Sue Bird um for it. So if this is the matchup I think it'll probably be Seattle. Tom, let's get your pick. I'll go last. I'm, I'd am i lean... I'll go Chicago. Um, I, I think they have the better offense. I think that they have the best player in this... Eh, that's a tough one. Oh, Stewie's probably the best player in the series. But I was going to pick Chicago because they have the best player in the series. But now that it's not true, I think I have to go with Seattle. And the fact that they have Stewie, give me that. So I'll go with the Storm as well at risk of potentially making a pick that Hannah doesn't have, which is, is sacrilege in our family. So I just can't let that happen. Uh, I, I've i heard a lot about this. You know, there's no repeats in the WNBA. And I don't know about you guys, but streaks are made to be broken. And I think this is the year <laughs> that we finally get a back-to-back repeat WNBA champion. I think the team has only gotten better since last year. And I think in years past, a lot of the teams who haven't repeated, 
They either lost somebody critical because of injury or free agency, or they didn't get any better from after they played their championship. They just kind of brought the team back and tried to run it back. Chicago actively got better this offseason with the moves they made, and I don't look at this team and really notice any deficiencies at least comparatively to the rest of the WNBA. You know, we mentioned it already. Vegas has their defense problems. Seattle has their depth problems. Uh, Connecticut has their guard problem. Chicago doesn't have any of those problems. And I just think when push comes to shove, when the lights are brightest, this is a squad that is ready to break the curse of teams not repeating in the WNBA. So give me Chicago to go back to back. And you know what? You, you should have known I was going to do that. Kalia Copper, Philly zone. So shout out Kalia Copper, putting on for the city. All right, everyone. This this has been a fantastic little 50-plus minute WNBA playoff preview. Uh, Hannah, before we let you go, I'd like to know, because you've thrown them out there throughout, I'd like to hear your WNBA MVP prediction. I know it's basically a two-horse race between Asia Wilson and and Brianna Stewart, but I'd like to know who Hannah's WNBA MVP is. Oh, I think when you look at the stats between these two, they match up eerily similar. So I think Stewie has like high, like first in the WNBA in points this season. I think Asia has more rebounds. I think Asia does a little bit more defensively for the aces. And I think if you look at the team and that structure, I think I guess it depends how you define MVP, right? Like, is it who's most valuable to their team? And I think Asia is the most valuable to her team in that when if she is not there, I think it totally disrupts the flow that we see of the aces. So Asia would be my somewhat biased, but I think MVP this season, but they're both a pretty solid choice. Tom, any thoughts here? I'd lean Asia, I think, uh, for a lot of the similar reasons that Hannah had. Uh, you know, Vegas had the better year as well, um, and I, I'm comfortable with you know her getting them to the one seed, kind of showing her worth. So I'd, I'd probably pick Asia as well. All right, everyone. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the end of our WNBA playoff preview. I'm sure we will all be very wrong, uh, specifically me. I think I did terrible at this exercise last year, so I'm sure that uh, this will be a repeat once again. Uh, Hannah, before we let you go, uh, is there anything you'd like to plug here at the end? I know you don't have a podcast to plug. You're in medical school. I have no idea what you might want to plug, but is there anything you'd like to plug here at the end? No, you really summed it up. I don't live that exciting of a life. No, everyone look into Sylvia Fowles because she's so cool. Um, RIP the links this year. Um, no, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm excited to, to be back in my like one role WNBA superstar assistant to the podcast so thanks for having me <laughs> listen tom and i both heard from you when we weren't talking enough WNBA. so it was only right that we brought you on the podcast for the what two times a year that we talk WNBA. i i think we'd like to talk WNBA more but as the name of the show implies there's just a lot going on it, it's hard to fit it all in if we were doing like a daily episode we would find a way to talk about the WNBA, but once a week uh you know it's it's hard it's hard sometimes sorry right. I, I do I like should WNBA maybe acknowledge that to the podcast yeah production assistant but um i think it's embarrassing that the three of us are talking about the WNBA, and we none of us won our WNBA fantasy league 
And the person who knows the least about the WNBA, shout out to Ian, is the one who ended up winning. So it's a real shame that we all, I was, a, I've, I personally feel very bad that I let everyone down by losing. So I'll never miss a chance you know, I, to say Liz Cambage is dead to me. Uh, and she killed my fantasy team. I had her with the Sparks. I thought she was going to be really awesome. And that kind of fell by the wayside. And I didn't check for a couple weeks because I fell into a deep depression that my team was very bad. And Ian texted me, hey, Cambage News is really hurting you. First time I heard from him WNBA-wise all season, like since the draft. And I was like, oh, is it playoffs this week? And he was beating me by like 300 points. Yeah, I uh, I was hurt by the fact that uh, Diana Taurasi wasn't playing down the stretch. And so I, you know, I didn't have another option on those nights to play someone. And I wasn't going to drop her from the team because it was like, well, if Diana Taurasi comes back, I have Diana Taurasi. Yeah. She never came back and that shot us right in the foot. So we should have dropped her while we had the chance. And we might've, we might've had a chance in the championship, but we still got absolutely molly in the championship. So I don't know if, uh, I really had a chance to win this one. All right, Hannah. Well, thank you once again for joining us on There's a Lot Going On. Tom, do you have any final thoughts before we go this week? So I owe the Las Vegas Aces an apology, but there's an asterisk on it. I'm going to write the apology, but I'm not going to send it yet. I came here and I said, I don't know if I said it on the show, but I've said it to each of you before, that I'm going to pick the Las Vegas Aces to win a championship every year until they do so. Obviously, I did not do that this year, um, but... I'm not sending my apology for one reason. If they do win, I want them to write me an apology because I will have ended the jinx of me picking them and them not winning the championship. So Asia Wilson, Becky Hammond, Kelsey Plum, all you guys, I'm waiting on the signed letter thanking me for not picking you. Just I, I'll send you my address later. You can't announce your reverse psychology. It like, defeats the purpose. Go ahead, Tom. What's your counter? No, doesn't. You're just... I, it's a better <laughs> argument than yours, so we're good. Your your argument back was, no, it doesn't. And then that was it. You didn't... You, for a second there, decided that was plenty of analysis and didn't need to <laughs> offer anything else, which means we need to wrap this up as soon as humanly possible. And listen, if you listen to this nonsense at the, here at the end, that means you clearly love there's a lot going on. And what I need you to do is go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you like, what you don't like. If you have any thoughts on who you think is going to win the WNBA championship, you can leave those there. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, and leave us a comment there to tell us who you think is going to win the WNBA championship. Also, be sure to follow us all on social media that will all be linked in the show notes of this episode but for tom shively for hannah spots i'm david arroyo your last name is spots right i don't know why i wasn't sure about that earlier in the show but for hannah spots i'm david arroyo catch you back here next week for another edition there's a lot going on